the vinegar tanker and then like somebody's like i accidentally spilled scrambled eggs in this in the soda water like this seems bad hello and welcome back to petty crimes the only true crime comedy podcast that exclusively investigates non-crimes hi hi griff how you doing i'm good how are you I'm living, laughing, loving. I'm reporting to you from my office here at SNL, uh, and it, I, it's like a, it's a Sunday, so it's quiet around here. That's nice. We are um, very quiet at the home studio here in Brentwood as well. It's just Jade, our head producer, and me. She's slamming back coffee, and I'm sipping some herbal tea, let's say. Ooh, I am about to crack open a beer that I found in the writer's <laughs> office fridge. A little bit of a mystery beer. Let's see. Let's give it a sip. Ooh. What flavor profiles are you tasting? What's popping out on your tongue, Kira? Oh, it's really kind of beery. <laughs> it's a, a beer is beery. No, it has like really strong beer f- taste. <laughs> Um, you know, I'm not an expert on beer, but I do feel like beer, it should taste like beer, right? I, I, I think maybe I don't like beer. <laughs> Is it like very hoppy? Is it like an IPA yes. or something? Yeah, exactly. It's really, really like weedy. Oh, got it. Yeah. I used to drink so many of those by force when I lived in Boston because Boston, oh. I feel like as a city just loves beer more than LA. LA is very cocktail-y which is my vibe. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't F with hops anymore. No. Oh my God. Yeah. Boys in Boston are like a double, triple IPA. <laughs> They're like, this beer is 19% alcohol. I'm like, Oh, that sounds bad. It sounds bad. Yeah. I'll take my tequila mezcal close to Mexico drinks over that any day, any oh, day. Yeah. Um, well, Today is November 8th. This episode is coming out on November 8th. And I just want to shout out to our California listeners because today is California General Election Day. Ooh. And we've done, I think I feel like episodes, episodes ago, we did a criminal or minimal about voting. That was mm-hmm. like in our like first episodes or so. And so I just wanted to call that out. Hopefully everyone is doing their due diligence this year, wherever you're from, wherever you're listening to. Know your voting day and... Uh, Speak your piece because it really matters. Regardless of what you're voting for, we all have the right to do it. Yeah, especially in local elections and especially if you're a young person. We're underrepresented at the polls. Yes, exactly. Um, And hopefully, gosh, elections sometimes here in L.A. are a little bit chaotic organization-wise, but hopefully I might volunteer um, at some point in the near future to help ease those operations because I'm pretty good at that. But yes, oh, I'll yeah. be um, I'll be casting my vote in person. Today, I like to do that in person. It's kind of like an event for me. And uh, I hope everyone listening in California does as well. You have Woo. before 8 p.m. All right. So I'm presenting today's case. And this one has actually been submitted by a friend of mine who is, I have forcefully con- converted to being a listener. Um <laughs> Which I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure you have a few friends that now listen. Well, you have a lot of friends that now listen, girl. Um, I, I have a couple in real life friends that listen, which I <laughs> kind of love. My parents listen to it, which makes me a little self conscious. Hi, mom and dad. <gasps> uh, but they're they're extremely easygoing. And then um, 
yeah, I mean, I like making new friends. I love when people hit us up in the DMs. Everyone has like such interesting opinions and I'm like, it's just, it's so fun. So keep, keep hitting us up. Yes. Keep hitting us up. My parent, my mom is also binging the podcast. I think she's nearly caught up with our episodes, which to what you said, makes me a little nervous for things that I have and will continue to say, but, um, she's choosing to listen and, uh, I'm an adult, I'm an adult man. <laughs> so she's gotta, <laughs> gotta live with that. <laughs> yeah. As my mother um, would say, we were young once too. <laughs> my mom is, uh, she's still petty though. She's still, you know, she's considerably older than me. <laughs> she's gonna hate me for saying that, but that's how parenthood usually works. And, uh, yeah, she, she loves, she, she lives in the petty space. Um, I'm trying to get, she's a teacher and I'm trying to get her to rack her brain for a case, um, from her decades of teaching that she could submit to us, uh, between her and a student or her and a parent. Um, that'd be really cool to hear. So I'm, I'm I need to convince her of that. Well, that reminds me a friend of the pod who's hopefully mm-hmm. listening DM'd us that they're thinking about getting their 10th grade class to submit a petty crime. And this is me saying, please do. That sounds incredible. That does sound incredible. I don't, maybe don't have them listen to all of our episodes if they're children, but definitely get them to write in. And that'd be so interesting to, to like go back from a, what grade did she say? 10th grade? Yeah. A 10th grade perspective. Oh, they're old enough to listen. Who are we kidding? Um, from a 10th grade perspective and do a case like that. Um, mm. But let's, uh, let's focus on today's case. This was again submitted by a friend of mine. We've made him anonymous. I'm going to be calling him Donald. Hmm. And this a crime. Uh, this crime occurred between 2017 and present day, so 2022. 2022. Okay, cool. Would you say your friend Donald is more of a duck or a Trump? <laughs> um, I would say he's I uh, he he's more of a, a duck for sure. He'd kill okay. me if I skewed anywhere close to Donald Trump. <laughs> He's more of a duck for sure. He's, he's okay. quacky and quirky. Ooh. Um, so yeah, those involved, Donald, my friend and submitter. And then we have Zoe. And we'll hear more about Zoe after I start, which is going to be right now. <clears throat> <laughs> he has, and he starts his email in parentheses saying, please insert opening pleasantries here. I know Griff will be good at that. <laughs> so I, 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 I've taken the liberty in saying, hi, Griff. Hi, Kira. I absolutely love your podcast. And I'm so glad that Griff talks about it so often with me. I wouldn't have it. <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way. I'm a busy boy in graduate school for chemistry. So the few episodes that I have listened to, I've been absolutely, uh, are, they're absolutely amazing. Aww. Now, I promised Griff that I'd write a crime of my own. And he came collecting the other day. As you all know, he can be quite dot, dot, dot assertive. Mm. <laughs> he says, I'll do my that sentence. <laughs> yeah. You could have finished it with a lot of things, but we're going to focus <laughs> on assertive. <laughs> he continues in saying, I'll do my best to tell the story, but words usually aren't my strong suit. I prefer chemicals and atomic symbols. Hmm. Oh, to set the scene. I'm a PhD student in chemistry here in California which typically consists of around one year of classes and around four to five years of doing research in a laboratory for your thesis. Cool. I appreciate that because I wouldn't have known. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Kira, do you know much about chemistry, PhD pursuits? No. And to be honest, I never understood the periodic table of elements. (laughs) I, I just never got it. I never got it at all. I have to say I was more of a bio than chem guy anyway. So yeah, whenever I have to 
and rightfully so. I'm his friend. We got to be reciprocal. Listen to Donald's um, chemistry talk. It truly, you know, thank God I'm an actor. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. But you you are a former graduate student. And I know that we have a few listeners that are either in process of that or have minted their degree. Um, yes. So that space is interesting to me. And I know that you and a few of our listeners are familiar with that like adult schooling vibe. Yes, such a specific environment. Uh, yeah. And with chemistry, you better bet that it's even more specific. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's quite a high octane pressurized. Oh, environment. It seems like you do know a lot about chemistry. That was me. If, <laughs> if there were straws on the table, I just grasped them all. So don't expect <laughs> any more straws from me. <laughs> oh, he continues. <clears throat> in the first year of your program, you pick a chemistry professor as your advisor, and you work in their lab for your entire five-year program. Now, each lab can be very different, and each lab usually has its own lab culture. Labs typically consist of three to 12 graduate students, but that's not a steadfast rule. Okay. Yep. So labs, I guess, are like physical places, but they're also like the people that you're working with. So reading this crime through, I had to realize that like when he uses the word lab, he's either talking about the space he's working in or his fellow graduate students and the people that um, are advising him. Beautiful. Kind of like how home is both a physical space, but it's also... <laughs> The people you love. Oh, I bet in your new apartment, you're going to have something on your wall that says exactly that. <laughs> Home <laughs> is a physical space, but it's also the people that you love. They're oh like, my God. damn, what clearance DJ Max sign is this? <laughs> Literally that. And uh, I love a clearance rack, but I don't love those kind of wall decors. We should have a criminal or minimal about that. But anyway, <clears throat> criminal. you and your... You and your fellow graduate students work very closely for up to five years and become very close, dot, 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 or very not close. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In my lab, most equipment is shared. We each work in a fume hood, and each lab consists of around 12 fume hoods, which could be enough for each graduate student to have their own. I'm okay. including photos of what those look like, so we'll definitely be posting these photos to our Instagram it seems like our listeners and our fans really love that. So everybody, run, don't walk to look at these <laughs> pictures of fume hoods. You're not going <laughs> to believe what you see. <laughs> Truly, you won't believe it and you won't understand it like me. <laughs> so we'll post those. Keep an eye out. Like it even if you don't care for fume hoods. <laughs> <laughs> like it even if you don't like it. <laughs> yeah. He says, in our lab, we have around six grad students, so we indeed each get our own fume hood. Each fume hood more or less feels like your own personal space in a lab where everything is shared. So that made sense to me, right? Because you and I have both worked in corporate environments. You are now back in an office setting. Your desk or your cubicle is the chemistry PhD equivalent to fume hoods. It's your space in a collective that you can customize for yourself. You have your own things. And... I guess probably one would assume that other people should not be going in and out of that space, that personal space, by their own volition, correct? Yes. I'm getting the sense also that if the numbers were to have broken down differently, fume hoods would be shared, but in this lab, they're not. Exactly. Um, that's a really good point, and we'll have to jot that down. Get your pencil out, Kira. Write that down in your notebook. Because that'll be important when we go to 
go to our verdicts. Okay, fantastic. Um, I just want to also just side note for um, listeners who partake in a weekly drinking game. Um, today's drink drinking game is um, drink. Take a sip of bad beer anytime Griff says fume hood. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. And so far, I've said it. I think six times. So catch up and start now. <laughs> So he said, like I said, other than fume hoods, everything else Mm -hmm. is shared. Chemicals, solvents, small lab equipment, and everything in between. Now, some advisors have a lot of funding and can buy everybody their own chemicals and equipment. My advisor, however, might be one of the cheapest people I know. (laughs) Because of this, we share everything in our lab. Chemicals and equipment have their usual storage spot, but in a shared lab, things are commonly not found where they where they belong because of this. Hmm. So that makes sense. Like, I guess it's very similar to like undergrad from my perspective. Like if you have a school that has a fair amount of money or even high schools, like any type of school, your funding very much affects how your students uh, like learn and what equipment they get to learn. Obviously in a more technical space, like a chemistry PhD program, it seems like the equipment's probably pretty vital. Yeah. Also, like a disorganized lab is to me a little bit of an oxymoron because like <laughs> it's I have to assume it's a bit of a safety thing, but I, I'm sure there's more to come. <laughs> yeah, I, I picture labs, you know, like as very organized and meticulous just because it's medical and like sciencey. But my friend is maybe hinting at something different. Yeah. Okay. Now, sometimes you will find a piece of equipment inside someone else's fume hood because they used it and never put it away. So naturally, if you need it, you go and take it from their fume hood and use it. Now, I should note, ooh, he says, I should note, our lab does not have the cleanest slash tidiest lab culture, and the lab frequently becomes quite messy. That, it seems to me, bad. It, (laughs) It also seems to me bad because it's like, Your space, and I feel this, like when I work in a space that's clean and neat, I feel uh, my work is impacted by that. When I'm in a chaotic, like my dining table is where I work a lot. When it's chaotic and messy, I feel stressed and I feel uh, just anxious and not organized. And so I think when you're stepping into a space like a chemistry lab, that is that. I can't, uh, clearly, and I'll I'll continue, it it affects the people there. Yeah, and like processes keep us safe, but if it's like, Oh, the hydrogen peroxide is on on Beethoven's station, but he put it in the baking soda bottle. Like I'm gonna pour it into the the vinegar tanker, and then like somebody's like, I accidentally spilled scrambled eggs in this in this soda water. Like this seems bad. Well done, Kira. <laughs> Kira's wiping her brow of sweat. She's like, I just improved the fuck out of that one. <laughs> No, yes, I, exactly. I so I am like, sitting in a pool of sweat, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, clearly a little disorganized of an environment. But this is where someone else comes in. One of my fellow graduate students is Zoe. Zoe took it upon herself to label a bunch of items as her own. On her own fume hood, she wrote in large, bold letters, do not use my hood. She used a Sharpie to write <gasps> this. Right? Permanent marker. Um, are you stupid? You're not going to be here forever. <laughs> yeah, no, right. And these are, I think, included in the pictures that uh, Donald sent through. So swipe, swipe left and you'll see, uh, you'll see the graffiti, basically. <laughs> yeah. 
It is such an uncommon move that our professor slash advisor once walked through our lab, pointed at the writing on her fume hood and asked with a confused face, what is that and who the hell wrote that? Now, the only problem with her do not use fume hood is she has equipment inside of her fume hood that she views as her own. But like I mentioned before, it is really shared equipment. She has various solvent bottles labeled Zoe, a pair of scissors, tools, a wrench, pliers, a vacuum line, whatever that is, and a few other <laughs> things. Personally, seeing all of these items labeled with her name makes me want to use them even more. And oftentimes, I do. Sue me. <laughs> I, I'm kind of into it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, interesting. Uh, we're rounding home. We're rounding home. He says... The labeling got so bad one year that my lab friend and I hid the label maker in my desk. And so Zoe was not able to label for a while. Not able to label. (laughs) (laughs) I should note, some labs and some chemicals are pretty paramount to your research project. Kind of like the soda water you mentioned, Kira. Mm -hmm. And it's important to have at all times. However, those things are generally kept in your designated drawer or in the back of your fume hood, not just lying around everywhere in the lab. Also, the sheer exactly. Also, the sheer number of items she claims as solely hers is absurd. I'm getting the sense that she may be an only child. Shots fired at only child. (laughs) Not wrong, though. (laughs) We'll talk about that. And so he finishes. He says, so who is the criminal? Zoe for taking it upon herself to claim everything as hers and adding labels and notes on everything that she deems as such. Or me for still using the equipment when I need it. Because it is shared property. Bye. <laughs> Ooh, I like this one. Right. And this is when this was submitted, I was maybe expecting like some kind of uh, like malicious chemical mixing explosion of an episode. But this is very simple. And this is why petty crimes exist. This is an example of two adults not being able to seemingly share items or like designate things as their own. It's very like, you know, elementary school is just their PhD candidates. Yeah. They are not, he is not ex instead of expressing his frustration with Zoe, he is literally hiding a label maker from her. This PhD <laughs> candidate is hiding a label maker in his drawer. This is like, and she, and she is another PhD candidate and she's writing on her hood in Sharpie. Wow. Right. And so it's like, they're clear. And you know, I do know Donald and I know that he, when he believes in something, he believes in it very uh, steadfastly. Mm -hmm. And so I, and especially when someone else is doing something, we'll say petty, that is annoying, not only maybe him, but also fellow lab mates, he's someone that's going to kind of like play the game a little bit too, which makes this an interesting crime. Cause it's like, you know, he's not turning another cheek. He's actively hiding things and taking things from her fume hood drink. Very petty. Does this remind you kind of, of our uh, silverware office episode for yes, work? It, yes, it does. Cause there's always a weird, it's always weird when there's a shared space and there's shared items But then when the lack of them being there affects your work or your eating, then emotions start running rampant. It also is interesting how depending on who wrote the crime in, you're having different feelings. Like the um, forks, the office forks where uh, if you haven't listened to it, like 
mm, spoiler, <laughs> someone was taking two forks a week, every week at this job. <laughs> and th- the fork thief wrote in. But here we're hearing from Donald, who is exactly. like the recipient uh, or I don't know, is uh, the witness to Zoe's pettiness. Exactly. So Additional context, because I did reach back out to Donald and just tried to get more of a profile on Zoe. Zoe is an international student. She was born abroad, but she's obviously going to school here in the States now. And so that immediately I was like, oh, different cultures. Like, I think the golden rule we learn here in America or sharing is caring. And I'm not, I've never lived elsewhere for a long time. So I don't know if that mentality is different depending on the country you're from in terms of shared space and shared things. But he also did mention that Zoe is a year younger than him, but she's been working in the lab longer than he has because she also did her undergraduate degree in that same lab at that school, whereas Donald did undergrad out of state, which I know, but is now a PhD in this. Mm. So she has more tenure in the space than Donald does, though Donald is older. Interesting. Yeah, Interesting. Who I was just talking to a friend the other day about something similar where it was like, you've been in this space longer, but this person's new. So you have to kind of be careful with how you know. Oh, I was talking to a friend at the Halloween party a few weeks ago about moving into a space with her boyfriend versus him moving into her apartment. So like them finding a new space because sometimes that's better because you don't have prior ownership of the space and your emotions aren't like, oh, I really hate that lamp there because I didn't have it there for three years. Let's not have it there. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, lamp so doesn't ha- go yeah. in that corner. Like, ah! <laughs> exactly. So, like, what happens when someone has been in the space longer than you, but you technically, I guess, are, like, a little bit higher tenured or ranked than them or something? Well, I, it sounds like she's higher ranked because age doesn't really matter. Ooh, interesting. It's, not, a, it's so you, not really a factor in this environment. So, interesting. So, also, her being there longer, even though she's further behind in her PhD. Oh, uh, I guess they're, I mean, they're just, they're, they're peers. Yeah. They're peers, but clearly knowing that she's been in this lab for a while, something new is happening culturally in the lab that Mm -hmm. is bothering her and it's making her territorial. Yep. He did. uh, I saw him a few days ago and he did give me added context of a little, Smaller story, and then we'll get into the verdict because I think this one will be you know, pretty straightforward. He had mentioned that at some point she was looking to move space within the lab to be closer to his team, his and her team. Mm-hmm. And she had told them that, like, yes, that's something she'd like to do. She'd like to be closer and just be in the space with them. And Donald and another lab mate took this as, a, oh, cool, let's do her a favor. And they while she was doing work or something unknown to her, moved her stuff like immediately to to their corner of the lab. And then Zoe came back from work or being in the lab or something, saw that they had moved it just kind of very immediately and I guess started bawling. (gasps) And it was, right? And it wasn't like they were moving across campus or it wasn't like they were moving out of the space. It was just shifting a little bit of familiarity to another space. And apparently she had an emotional meltdown from that. So what do you think about that, Kira? Um, It sounds like she she has some challenges with emotional regulation. (laughs) 
<laughs> like many of our crimes have demonstrated. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, hey, I I I love balling for for no reason. Uh, don't get me wrong. <laughs> like I'll cry unprompted any day of the week. But um, wow, yeah. I mean, you you said it, it might be cultural. To me, I feel like people's relationship with their belongings can sometimes even be like household to house. Like it can be tied to your mm-hmm. upbringing or at yep. some point you, I don't know, like friends who like didn't like, I have a couple dear friends who like really grew up very poor and their relationship to their belongings is like, this is mine, even though they yes. like, you know, make a lot of money now. And mm-hmm. I absolutely respect and understand that. Like, I don't, yeah, she seems to have an, an interesting relationship with, with possessions. And I don't even know if technically these things in the lab are her possessions, but mm-hmm. wow. Yeah, I totally, I, I sense that too. It's like, I've met people who, and again, like in through college, I guess not necessarily high school, but college, we, we lived with strangers kind of year over year. Obviously, like as an adult, I still live with the roommate. And so figuring out what items are shared, how you use that thing. Um, we've talked about this on uh, episodes prior to it's like you have to do kind of the the maintenance of figuring out, okay, this is mine. And it's in my room. So like, don't touch it. Don't go in there. That's obvious. Yeah. But some people come up differently. So the idea of like, oh, I need this. It's in his room. I'll go and grab it seems normal to them. Whereas for me, it's like, that's completely invasive and inappropriate. Yeah. Um, like I can say personally, I have a bit of a boundaries issue with like sharing in that like I love to share. To me, Alex's clothes are my clothes. I can wear them without <laughs> asking, which like if there were to be a petty crimes episode about me, it would absolutely be about me borrowing my friend's stuff, like my best friend Ke- like I-, I and I'm I'm better at it than I used to be, but like I, I'm, I'm bad. I would be, Zoe would have decked me by now if I were in this lab. (laughs) Well, and we've, we've talked about your prior experience stealing mini bananas from your roommate without asking her. Exactly. Exactly. I'm a thief. Um, Yeah. (laughs) A thief. We all are. So yeah, I read into that too. It's like, there's clearly a difference in how people in this lab are considering space, right? And it, it is, you're there for like, it seems like he said five years. And there is a lot of benefit to having your own personal space. You know, it's like the difference between sharing a room in college and then graduating and finally getting your own room. It feels yours. You feel free. So when you don't have that as an adult, I can't really, in your workspace, I, I find that would be very frustrating. I loved having a desk at BCG and like being able to retreat there. It was open face, obviously, but it was nice to have something that was yours. And I, I I would be very territorial with things within that. I guess if I were to go to the kitchen, though, it'd be a different story. I'd have to calibrate, but not everyone can. Yeah. But ultimately, it wasn't your desk. Like if BCG corporate decided, oh, we're all going to get um, we're we're all getting these new desks. And then one day you showed up and all of your shit was on a new desk like that would be their prerogative. That is very true. And in this lab, it's like obviously the respect of like, I'm going to maybe post up here for a few years is shown and reciprocated. But at the end of the day, you're right. It's, did you buy this fume hood? Did you buy this desk? Did you buy these scissors? No, you didn't. It's, it is not your property. So it's a really good point and probably leading to a lot of the confusion here. Yeah. To me, 
Um, I'm sort of rounding. Is it? Uh, do you have any more questions, or am I cool to round the corner into verdict? Let's round the corner, baby. We're okay. running towards home. To me, I'm finding the. It, would it be professor the who the lab director? Ooh, interesting. Or shall I tick through the verdict questions? Because I ha- we'll start with maybe the the institution. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Cue the music. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Kira. Should graduate programs have more funding? And is there graduate school at any fault here for not providing an equitable amount of shared items? And that includes the professor and advisor as well. I can, I, I feel, I feel equipped to give a verdict on this because I worked at Harvard Medical School for five years and I worked specifically on grant funded labs, like engineering oh, labs. Wow. And oh like gosh. was like I could literally see like, oh, part of my salary is paid by this grant, part of my salary is paid by this grant. Oh, we're applying for a new grant because this one's ending. Like I lived in the grant space and mm-hmm. it is tough. I think it's possible for this professor that's directing this lab that he's like, this lab is stocked as much as it needs to be. And you might not in your career as a chemist work in labs where everybody has their own solvent of every specific kind. Mm-hmm. Everyone will be sh- you're sharing and you're going to make it work. And that is it's possible that that is like, you know, his tacit approach or maybe he just needs to order more shit. Who knows? <laughs> but no, I'm not I'm not putting any blame on the institution. Fair enough. Yeah, we don't have enough context. I don't want that context. That seems really <laughs> exhausting and not in my wheelhouse. But um, yeah, it's funny, too, because like I at least with a lot of PhDs that I know, they go from elementary school to high school to college to their PhD program. They've only ever been students. And so mm. like what we talked about learning wise in terms of being adults in non-academic environments, they haven't yet like experienced. My, my friend, for instance, who wrote this in is just it's a very good job, but he's just uh, courting first-time employers for because he's leaving his PhD very soon, his program. So the idea that he's kind of like going into the adult space as an adult 29, 30-year-old person is really interesting. And it, it does carry some thoughts behind <laughs> this crime because it's like they've only been in this academic setting with shared kind of confusion. Yeah. So yeah. All right. I, I agree with that. We can't, we can't hold the program at fault. We don't know. We don't know shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Is, hmm, we'll, we'll go with Donald. Is Donald guilty of pettily using the equipment even after Zoe has labeled it as her own? I say no. <laughs> oh, nice. Why, why no, do you think? Because if it's truly not hers and it was ordered for the lab, which is my understanding, she doesn't get to put labels on it that say Zoe. <laughs> yeah, this, I don't think this stuff is hers. You know, she might have, to her, to the point of her being there longer, she might have been using it longer, but you brought it up. It's not hers. It's, oh. Oh, yeah. What I was saying is that would be like if I walked out into the writer's room and took a stapler. <laughs> And brought it into my office and wrote Kira on it. Yep. That's my current understanding. 
<laughs> that sounds like a good comparison. Um, and that would that would be very strange. Yeah. Yeah, I think most of your like co-writers would be like, that's a very bizarre thing to do. And probably one of them would be kind of Donald in this situation and maybe go into your office and take it back and like scrape out your name of the whiteout that you wrote it in and be like, hey, Kara, this isn't yours. I actually needed this the other day and it was in your office. So, I mean, to your point about like these about people being in school for years and years and years, to me, it's a little immature. Yeah. It seems like that. Yeah, it just I can't help but like connect the like school after school after school without the like adult consequences of this type of behavior. Um, because school, obviously, there are adults in school. It's very challenging and uh, isn't an adult environment, but it's very different when <laughs> you do, like you said, like you do it in the writer's room or in like a consulting office. It just has yeah. different repercussions. Yep. OK, perfect. Um, we'll switch to Miss Zoe. Is Zoe guilty for marking her fume hood as hers in Sharpie? Yes. Period. Yeah. This is not your house. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Where is your like object permanence? Like what? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Guilty. No explanation needed. Right. Yep. For sure. Like that's that is I think within what we're discussing the most guilty. That's a little bit. Um, extra, obviously the Sharpie is permanent. So that's a little, uh, <laughs> like anarchist, <laughs> which I kind of live for, but <laughs> it's, yeah, it's to the extent where her advisor was like, that is weird. That shouldn't be, that shouldn't be happening. Yeah. All right. And finally, and we probably know the answer to this is Zoe guilty of taking shared items from the lab and storing them as her own. Yes, yep. but <gasps> This is not finally for me. I have another guilty party. Oh. So guilt she's guilty for that. Who who else do we have to bring into petty court? To me, the advisor Ooh. is letting chaos ensue in this lab. <laughs> like you have us you have one of your PhD candidates is taking shared items and writing their name all over them and putting them under their hood. And you're not observing and like, you need to set, this place needs culture, a, 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 a culture <laughs> mm-hmm. to be established. And I put, I put blame on them. I, I completely agree. And we were just, Donald and I were just talking about office culture in general. So many jobs right now are obviously catering to remote work, which is great. But I also said, I loved when BCG made us be in office on Fridays because it built community it built rapport between each other we saw each other more as family and less as co-workers and because of that we didn't have these petty little uh i mean some of them still happen because you can't you can't problem solve that entirely but it just ironed out a lot of these issues because we felt like we were a community in one space versus a bunch of individuals in the same space yep yeah so um yep i completely agree with that advisor do better you're the adult in this adult classroom <laughs> Yeah. I'm ready for updates on this one. I like this crime. Me too. He's a, I have a direct line to him, so I will uh, let him know when it airs. And I'm sure he'll be very eager to critique what we've said. Yeah. Wow. The um, we I mean, too much too much to unpack, but the moving her things from one station to another as a favor and then her having a breakdown that I think is is pretty telling. 
I, I think so too. I was glad I asked for some, and I'm glad I do this with listeners and people who submit. And thank you for responding to us, even after you've typed a very well thought through email or message to us, because that did add some context to this crime and um, was just good backstory. Like clearly Zoe is very emotional when it comes to her things in her space. And I am too, for sure. Um, I think I just carry myself in a way that people know not to fuck with that. <laughs> I think you do. <laughs> Thanks, Kira. <laughs> Hello, I'm Melissa. And I'm Daniel. And we are from Till Death Do Us Part podcast. A podcast where I share my interest in true crime with my husband. But I could honestly care less. But here's the kicker. I only tell Daniel cases of seemingly loving and perfect couples. They always say that, don't they? They do. But behind closed doors, these relationships are not at all what they pretend them to be. And yes, we tend to be super judgy about other people's relationships because it makes us feel better about our own. Honestly, who hasn't ever thought of murdering their significant other? I know we have. Maybe on vacation. A cruise ship, perhaps? What about some nice poison in your coffee? Sounds delicious. Or just a tried and true accident? Carbon dioxide, anyone? Join us every Tuesday as I tell Daniel the story of a relationship that has ended in a horrific fashion, whether that be murder or just attempted murder. If you like dry humor, snarky banter, and listening to an old married couple get on each other's nerves, then you'll love us. So remember, be careful. For marriage is a life sentence. And divorce is always the better option. All right, ready for some criminal or minimal? Yes, ma'am. My criminal or minimals for today are all uh, me <laughs> doing Ooh, things. <laughs> self-reflective COMs? Exactly. Okay. Oh my God, perfect. And mine, uh, a few of mine are from people who message on Instagram. Thank you for doing that. And a few emails. So this will be perfect. Criminal or minimal? Apologizing f- just for c- being annoying. <laughs> I'm going to say criminal <laughs> because y- your perception of how you're being annoying might not even be annoying to the person you're interacting with. And I try my best to encourage women that I work with, because I've noticed it across my years, to not apologize so often for, I guess, things that are not dire and serious. It mm. seems to kind of be a placeholder or like, Oh, sorry. Can I say something? It's like, nope, just say something. You know, you raised your hand. This is a forum. So I'd say criminal because I want to hear what you have to say. And yeah, it's important. And we shouldn't apologize for speaking. And I think that's uh, that has some historical kind of ties to it too. But I guess if you're actually being annoying, <laughs> it's nice to apologize. <laughs> like if it is verbatim annoying, uh, I, I wouldn't mind an apology. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Agree. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Well, we'll talk about that offline. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Submitted by Andrew. Criminal or minimal? Speaking of women, women only going to the bathroom in public if a friend or multiple friends join them. Only going to the bathroom? Correct. Like you're at dinner and you need to go to the bathroom and you won't go unless like usually another girlfriend, obviously, at the table is like, I'll go with you. Huh. (laughs) You've noticed um, how like so many women go to the bathroom with each other. Like as guys, we're like, what are they doing in there? Yeah, I guess being like anyone, anyone want to go, the, anyone want to go to the bathroom with me? And then people normally jump on because yeah. we stay peeing, and <laughs> and then people go. But I guess I've never seen it where somebody goes, anyone want to go to the bathroom with me? And people and nobody needs to go, and they go, well, then I guess I won't be going. <laughs> yeah. So I guess 
refusing to go to the bathroom alone, I guess that's criminal. I agree. But um, yeah, asking someone to go with you is not a criminal. I think it's funny yeah. that like there's like clearly a different like culture in the women's room than the guy's room because it does seem like pairs often go together and they spend I don't know how long it takes to pee, but like it just seems like we're not supposed to be in this space and it's a time to like I don't know. I've seen like sketches written about it and Oh yeah. And no, it's yeah. a fucking blast in there. The best part of the <laughs> night is in the bathroom. Hands yeah, down. Yeah. <laughs> Noted. Um, okay. Criminal or minimal? Asking your stylish friend where their clothes are from and then specifically buying the clothes that they wear. <laughs> that is so funny. I feel like that should be a like a written out crime. <laughs> I'm gonna say criminal. Just because, no. <laughs> oh, Kira, you got to get you in rehab for that. Um, <laughs> no, here's my thing. And this is obviously a very, this whole podcast is obviously subjective, but I take a lot of pride in the piece. Actually, can I caveat that? I'll say guilty if it's like a piece, like a, like I'm wearing a really cool hoodie right now. I guess I purposely go to thrift stores because I know that you would not be able to find it as easily. But if I'm wearing something from like H&M or something fast fashion and you ask me where that's from and you got and you go buy it like, yeah, that's kind of weird that you're like buying my same wardrobe. It's a little like <laughs> stalkery, I guess. But it's also like that's why I don't go to stores like that because I don't like showing up somewhere with people wearing the same thing that I do. So if I wear an H&M shirt out and I'm like, oh, that guy across the way has the same one. I'm little, I'm less butthurt than if I see someone wearing a piece that I thrifted. Um, so I, I, I'll say criminal because of the laziness, minimal because fashion, you know, what there's not a lot of original pieces out there. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Stop doing that, Kira. Oh, I can't. <laughs> I can't. My approach, my approach to getting dressed is trying to dress, dress the most normal possible. <laughs> yeah. I'm truly, I'm truly like an alien that's like, I how do I put on people's shoes? Did I do it? <laughs> Thank God I got you Crocs then. Thank you. Uh, last All one. Right. Yes, perfect. This one was submitted by Isabel. Criminal or minimal? Lying to someone you're planning a date with about why you're busy on a day you have planned a date on because you're going on a date with someone else. Context: I'll go a couple of dates. I'll go on a couple of dates a month. And if someone asks about a day that I already have a day planned, date plan, excuse me, I'll say that I'm going to see a friend. Is that unethical to lie about that? No. And I think they probably sometimes know what you mean by a friend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I think minimal. You don't need. I think it's criminal to unnecessarily go. I have a date that night. It's like, mm, no, thank you. Yeah, exactly. And I think, too. Dating as a like the way that I approach dating is that it's dating, right? You're you're going on dates with multiple people, but I, oftentimes people equate dating synonymously with going steady with or being with someone. I don't know, just like the way that I approach it's like I'm dating to find the person that I want to you know commit to, but that requires me going on a few dates with different people, and obviously like that that doesn't always happen at the same time. Like uh, two days a week, I'll be going on a date with someone different. But when it does happen, it's like, I'm not committed to you. We're, we're dating to see if we have chemistry. So, And sometimes it's all about the chemistry. So don't try to put a label on a hood when it's <laughs> not 
you know, it's not it's not a hood yet. And you just, you know, it's all about the chemistry. Yeah. And I personally am not going to write on with Sharpie until I know that I want it to be permanent. <laughs> and with that, we send you off with two big smirks on our faces because we're so proud. <laughs> <laughs> we love you guys. See you next week. We love week. you so much. See you next week. Bye. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs>